We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Roadwire DFS podcast. Derek Van Riper here with Mario Puig. It is Monday, May 22nd. Uh, decent sized Monday evening slate going down today. And it's actually a pretty good mix uh, of quality and crap, which is uh, good because it makes things even more fun when you're building lineups. Nine games in total, a uh, few under some threat of rain. I don't think anything looks overwhelmingly concerning this early. Of course, check the Rotowire weather pages. As we get closer to lineup lock at 7.05 Eastern here on Monday night. Uh, Mario, let's start off with the pitching as we always do. And uh, looking at the top options on the board, it's kind of a three-man race at the very top with Grinky, Garrett Cole, and Michael Fulmer. Uh, all within $600 of each other. Grinky's 10300 in a home matchup against the White Sox. Cole is on the road against the Braves at 9800 and Michael Fulmer is at 9700 on the road against Houston. I think you got to go down one more tier if you're going to look at the full scope of cash game options. John Lackey, 8900 home against the Giants, and Michael Pineda, 8700 home against the Royals. As you look at that top five, do you pay up for one of the big three or even just pay the freight on Grinky as the most expensive option, or do you go down to that Lackey-Pineda duo as you kind of build around your primary pitcher? Well, Grinky's my favorite out of that top most expensive three. Uh, with Cole, he, he might be the you know highest upside of the bunch. I don't know, but I don't like the fact that his bats are so bad. Um, he might he might have a fine game, but that the win might be elusive with, with the – 
the lack of uh, batting on that run support on that team. Um, whereas Granky, you know, his, his guys should be able to do some damage to Miguel Gonzalez on the other side. Uh, Fulmer, really, really impressive player. And he's got upside too, I guess. Uh, I mean, if you base uh, Houston, if you base more on last year's Houston stats than this year when they struck out quite a bit last year. And uh, you mentioned in a recent show that they've, they've cut down the strikeouts a bit this year. If they revert to last year's type, Fulmer could take advantage of them in that setting. But uh, just would rather... I, I feel like I'm taking on less risk with a guy like Pineda at 8,700 who gets a, a pretty weak group of Kansas bats who, uh, despite doing better lately and, and going into New York, that, that favorable stadium, uh, I, I just think Pineda clearly has the advantage there. I mean, at what point, when, when do you start to buy into an offense as significantly better or worse than previous levels? Is it a month? Is it a couple of weeks? Is it assuming there aren't players coming in and out of the lineup, a top prospect being promoted, someone going down with an injury. I mean, like the Braves losing Freddie Freeman, they've become a team to pick on. Like that, that's, right. that's their bottom five offense without Freddie Freeman. I don't think there's a whole lot of debate about that. The Royals have been pretty bad throughout this season. If you look at May, they've been slightly better in May. I mean, they couldn't have gotten worse than what they were, though. They were pretty bad. They, they were near the bottom in terms of overall production. Uh, but yeah, in in May, oddly enough, the Royals have a higher WOBA than the Cubs. Hmm. I guess they're better now. I mean, they're twenty fourth in May. So uh, it's, well, it's, I guess they're better though. So um, keep keep that keep that under your hat. Yeah, it's uh. I mean, in the Astros case, I guess it's like all, the best you can do is try to understand how it's occurred to this point, and also look for reasons, you know, why it might continue or not. And in this case, we have some personnel change from last year. It's like you go from Castro to McCann. That's that's I know McCann strikes out a fair amount, but that still is a little bit of, of an improvement. They get more like guys like Aoki, um, Gurriel batting all year changes things. He doesn't strike out much, but uh, I think I think it's safe to say that the Astros strike out less this year than they do last. But it's also safe to say that Fulmer's so good that he he can win this uh, anyway um but i i just would rather stay away just because uh i feel like pineda has a similar uh upside you know k wise and i don't think he carries as much of a risk of getting uh you know giving up two two run homers in one you know seven inning stretch whereas pineda is good about making those solo shots and and the royals are just bad at hitting homers anyway yeah i mean fulmer is kind of contrarian tonight because the astros as you said they don't strike out the way they used to at 19.1 percent on the season only the red sox as a team have a lower k rate than the astros the pirates are tied right now but i i get the feeling the pirates are uh, weak enough offensively where the low K rate's not going to deter people from using like a Mike Fultonevich today. I mean, the, the downside of Fulte is that Garrett Cole right. should be able to just quiet the Atlanta offense, much like Steven Strasburg did in that same matchup on Sunday. Right. I mean, I, I think I consider Strasburg probably a little bit better, but uh, Cole, very good, obviously. And without freeman the, the only real concern for the long ball is pr- pretty much kemp and uh i'm, I'm not that worried about adams it's like he, he's a good player i guess but certainly not afraid for for cole's sake for that regard it's more yeah i'm worried about uh the the run support not being there faulty I, I think makes quite a bit of sense i i feel like there's a case for even a cash game consideration with him just because 
those those Pittsburgh bats are just so tame. But ideally, you put him in a tournament and hope that uh, his his strikeout rate picks up a bit from what it's been to this point. He showed higher strikeout potential in the past, whereas like this year, it seems like he's getting more under control, less wild. Um, hopefully, he can get both of them down at once because he has showed considerable upside in the past. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the setup for him. Uh, you mentioned Jake Odorizzi on the XM show today. Cash only, if yeah. anything. 8,300 home against the Angels. Angels are just Mike Trout and nothing else. Like It's amazing that he, like, especially if Pujols is dinged up, uh, you know, Cole Calhoun is, is okay, but I, I think coming off... He's of ice a, cold right now. Coming off a monster performance yesterday against the Mets, too, there might be an irrational fear of the Angels. I mean, Odorizzi at home is in a pretty good spot, but I, I would agree that because of the lack of strikeouts in particular, the tournament appeal for Odorizzi is limited, but for cash, he opens up a few uh, kind of interesting things uh, with the bats. Uh, other cheap options, I mean, uh, Jared Eikhoff goes up against... Uh, Jeff Hoffman. Hoffman's only fifty seven hundred on FanDuel. Eikhoff sixty or seventy two hundred rather. Uh, the Rockies, you know, they're eighteenth in Woba on the road, and if you factor that in with a higher K rate, they're actually I think top five or top seven in right. terms of road strikeout rate. Uh, Eikhoff kind of falls into play for some. If I'm going to use one of the pitchers in that game, though, I think I'm just going full like GPP madness and rolling Jeff Hoffman out there and just hoping that he can get deep enough into the game kind of hold his own again uh, and maybe do something in line with what he did against the Dodgers last time out right I think he'll be pretty trendy in tournaments and for good reason I I cough too uh, probably less than Hoffman but I still expect I cough to push like I don't know but like at least like 15 percent in a tournament setting I can see Hoffman pushing for like 20 because he was he was impressive against the Dodgers at home in his last start and uh I mean, the Phillies' bats are better than this, this year than they have been. They've been pretty good at home in particular, but uh, at 5,700, he doesn't need to do that much for it to pay off, especially with some of the bats you can get in this slate. Like, if you go with Hoffman at 5,700, you could really make a loaded lineup. How do you feel about John Lackey? We kind of passed over oh, him before. Yeah. I mean, do, do you like him? He's he's not... I like him better for tournaments than cash, believe it or not, because yeah. he's just—I don't think he's that good anymore. But he does his his version of bad can come with a lot of K's, and uh, the Giants—they've been terrible this year. They're getting a little bit better, like Crawford coming back helps. But uh, they, they, the Cubs should still be able to keep the runs relatively low in this this Giants matchup. And Lackey does have higher strikeouts the last two years than he did before that. So the upside, I think, is there, but he's just looked so off the rails a few times this year. I I don't know if there's as much uh, reliability for him in this matchup as like the win probability would lead one to conclude otherwise. Yeah, 8,900 is the price, though. It seems pretty good. Ty Block being the pitcher for the Giants also bodes well. If it were against Cueto or one of the other Giants starters that people liked a little better, I could see then the win probability being lower, but win probability is high. He has two 10-strikeout performances already this season, uh, and Lackey's gone at least five innings every single time out, so the floor seems at least passable to the point where even if he flops a little bit, assuming he doesn't get completely shelled, which I don't expect to happen, right. he's probably going to at least put you in a position to have a min-cash at, at the very least, and the payoff could be yeah. much better. Because the Giants' offense is bad. It, it, they, it is. They've been the worst offense in MLB this season. A 279 team weighted on base average. Worse even than the Padres. So how do you... Like, you weren't expecting that particular outcome, were you, before this year? Like, no one ever was afraid of the Giants' bats, but, like, there was enough there to take them for, like, you know, competent 
in the way that they just have been for a long time, whatever station to station they call it. But, uh, I mean, there's, there's still like the same pieces that we mostly expected, right? Like there's not like, uh, I mean, Nunez has been not as good as last year, but otherwise I don't see why they're so uniquely bad unless we thought they would be all along, which not many seem to. Uh, the discussion I had before the season about Buster Posey is probably the best that kind of highlights the concerns I have with the Giants offense. I wouldn't have projected them to be the worst offense in the league. I wouldn't have projected them to be much worse than, say, like a bottom 10 kind of offense. I would have thought, okay, if they're 20th, 22nd as a team right. in weighted on base average, that, that, would, that would make sense. They play good defense, and their pitching carries them. That's fine. You know, that's, that's kind of the way they're built. Uh, but you're right. I mean, they well, Span missed some time, didn't he? Span has missed time. Pence has been a little Crawford. bit dinged up, too, even though he's still played 37 games to this point. Uh, Brandon Crawford has been not himself. It's it's kind of a combination of all those things. Something's going on with Posey and Belt. I don't really understand what that was all about, but apparently there's some kind of problem brewing between those two guys. Really? Yeah, I, I don't know if it's just typical teammate stuff, but I saw some some tweets and, and an article from... I don't understand how that even occurs. Somebody... I think Posey was mad because Belt wasn't holding a runner on and... That runner ended up stealing a base, and then that run came around and cost them a game. Something, something like that, right? Like just some, okay. some, something like that on top of something else that maybe had already happened, and it's, it's a weird relationship. But whatever the case, cool. the Giants are a team you can pick on with pitchers. There's not really uh, any reason to fear that lineup right now. Even if the winds are blowing out somewhat at Wrigley, I don't think they're blowing out quite the same way they were uh, throughout last week. Uh, let's talk about some of the bats that we like as far as uh, stacks. If you're going to load up against some weaker pitchers, an Arizona stack against Miguel Gonzalez could play. Miguel Gonzalez is always frustrating, though, because just when you expect him to be awful, comes in, he goes six, gives up like three earned, kind of has like a quality start that it, it foils a stack, even though it's not so good that you can actually rely on Gonzalez himself. Right, yeah. He doesn't get the Ks. It's just like he strands a lot and just ha- he keeps like woba exactly at 320 allowed and it's like doesn't really let it get above or below it and uh, i mean he does have his occasional meltdown games like of course there have been days where it, it has been profitable to target him but i i I just convinced myself it's usually a little easier to go elsewhere in most contexts although arizona is not traditionally one of those contexts like whatever whatever it is about him that makes him so sneaky and elusive as a pitcher it's hard to get away with things in in a in an environment like that so uh definitely like brandon drury and uh i mean peralta's been cheap on FanDuel for a long time for some reason even at home against righties uh so guys like that um goldschmidt's always auto lock clearly but uh yeah, it's it's a day where I would probably be more inclined to target Gonzalez than otherwise. Yeah, so you could go D-backs against Gonzalez. Then you could go Twins against Ubaldo. You can go Cubs against Ty Block. Uh, you could go Orioles and against the Kyle Yankees Gibson. Against Vargas are in for me. I mean, yeah, the Yankees pretty much against anybody. I mean, Vargas yeah. because he's just a surprising story, and he got roughed up in his last start by the Yankees in Kansas City. Winds were blowing out uh, pretty heavily in that start but the correction seems to be happening with Vargas even if he's better than he used to be he's probably not this much better than he used to be and, and even if he is is that guy you don't want to use starters against the Yankees you generally want to just load up especially with the Yankee bats when they're at home too so I definitely see the case for that 
Uh, you can get some heavy exposure to Scott Feldman and Josh Tomlin at Great American Ballpark yep. for the Indians and Reds matchup. Uh, I'm not really messing too much with J.C. Ramirez. I kind of like him as a pitcher, so I'm not going very heavy with Rays today. Uh, we both kind of like Jeff Hoffman, so Phillies against Jeff Hoffman probably isn't in play for us. And the other one that people are going to be wondering about is with Brad Peacock starting for Houston, You know, should you stack Tigers? And the argument against that is Chris Davinsky hasn't pitched since May 17th, so he's on like a full starter's rest. I would imagine that Brad Peacock, who hasn't pitched multiple innings since May 4th, isn't going deeper than three innings in this game. And Davinsky could follow him. So if you get six or seven innings of Peacock and Davinsky, that's actually more difficult than it would look on the surface for those Tigers bats. Right. And obviously, if, if Peacock has to go three instead of one, maybe some of the, the old flaws that push him into the bullpen in the first place start to show up. But Davinsky's seems like he's going to be what he's been this year which is to say like very tough to hit and striking out uh, about as many batters as anybody uh given up a few long balls lately and he's that's where he gives up things it's like he doesn't very low whip like if he does if he allows damage it's usually the long ball so uh Devensky, it's like there's a scenario where he's in and he he gives up a homer or two but uh, stack wise I, I just don't really feel it today for the tigers uh it, I'd, I'd like them better at home if, if we were trying that sort of thing but it's it's a it's a fair gamble to make i mean obviously bullpen games are not how things are normally planned so so the theoretical implementation of anyone's given skill set might not play things might go haywire for no particular reason I still feel like there's more reliable targets otherwise uh, to go at, so I, I probably won't be taking Tigers bats. But if anyone, if, if many people are thinking similarly, it could be all the more reason to consider them a, a tournament uh, target, especially with the return of JD Martinez giving them a new level. JD has been killing it. I saw a good stat cast piece too. The Tigers, uh, based on how they've been hitting the ball, have been one of the most unlucky teams in the game. So uh, their correction seems to be on the horizon as well. I think it's already started with JD back in the fold. Yeah. Let's take a look at the positional uh, breakdown, starting at catcher. Alex Avila, if he were cheap, I would like. He's not very cheap anymore. He's 3400 So if I'm spending up at catcher, Wilson Contreras against Ty Block, even if you're not going to run the full Cubs stack, I think that's a good play at $3,200. Uh, but you had a couple guys in the same game that you mentioned on the XM show that you liked. Uh, who, do you, who do you like behind the plate? Right, they uh, they both need to be active, obviously, and particularly Devin Mazzarocco might be sitting this out, uh, given his durability issues. But the last two games, he's been showing off the bat that made him so promising years ago, and it's in Cincinnati against Josh Tomlin. So at 2,700, really like Mazzarocco on paper, but if, if not him, hopefully Jan Gomes is active. He's $100 more, but uh, uh, obviously still in Cincinnati Feldman probably not as vulnerable as as Tomlin to me but still plenty vulnerable actually tends to give up his his worst damage to righties if I recall correctly uh, not that it's like a meaningful distinction it's just uh, I wouldn't let the righty righty combo there scare me off in any way um, and yeah like you were saying on the radio Gomes if, if he, he is fully healthy uh, the last two years don't seem applicable to what he's capable of because it's just hard to explain how he produced the, the years before that and how he's done this year even, um, particularly given the documentation of injuries that he had in the two years in between, that uh, he can actually be a guy who gives you you know 
20 plus homers at 240 average pretty easily and at 2800 he's not priced like a guy with that profile um or like they normally would be going against feldman in cincinnati so I like gomes quite a bit at 20, 2800 as well otherwise i'm probably looking at chris herman at 2600 if he's in yeah herman always gets consideration uh when he's out there just to give you an idea with jan gomes too i, I love what he's doing with the plate discipline he was still available in a 13-team two-catcher mixed league that I play in. People just aren't paying attention to what's going on with him. He burned a lot of people real bad the last few years. So he's hurt, they might, Yeah, they, that's what I'm saying. Like they, he's hurt bad. They're going to be slow to give him like credit now because it's like a, a probably like a personal uh, grudge at this point. But the, the bigger like DFS twist on it, too, is a lot of the optimizers and things and, and even like stats going back yeah. to last year aren't going to like him because he was so bad last year now that he's put the health issue behind him seemingly i think jan gomes is uh, legitimately useful uh, so definitely think about that if you are uh, looking for a cheap catcher in the coming days because the price will probably take a little bit of time to rise up to where it should be on the, the indians catcher uh, looking over at first base you know if i felt like peacock were going to go four or five innings miggy at four thousand would be my preferred play uh, but i think edwin encarnacion at 3300 with three 20-point games on FanDuel in his last five. Getting a great matchup against Scott Feldman at 3,300. It's so hard to pass up on him right now because he seems to be finally shaking out of his uh, really slow start over these last six weeks. Yeah, I would imagine he's pretty chalky in cash and tournaments both, and for good reason in both cases. At 3,300, uh, even even the slumping version of Encarnacion, I would probably be taking that gamble uh certainly in tournaments at 3300 though it's i mean he's he's been showing a little bit more lately that stadium you know his his power can, can have a unique advantage in a context like that um and if not him i also like uh, as particularly in tournaments for 400 more uh teammate carlos santana uh he's i like him better batting like fifth or sixth than i do lead off because like obviously he's not going to run the bases at lead off but has the bat to knock people in if they're they're getting on ahead of him so like those two um otherwise at at first i'm going to resist the the logan morrison uh hype in this case Uh, that the rays have been great batters at home for whatever the reputation of that stadium um and and morrison is obviously doing really well but i have enough yeah I'm, i'm i'm just high enough on jc ramirez to not really feel like testing my luck against him and uh when morrison is costing more than guys like santana and uh even like a Brayu and and uh, yeah, Encarnacion, Hosmer. It's like I'd, I'd rather have all those guys. Um, so I won't be going at uh, Logan Morrison, but I, I do see the argument for him based on the player he's been this year. I'm wondering if JC Ramirez turns into like a like a right-handed Jose Quintana, like a scrap heap guy that figures it out a bit later than expected, and then just provides steady value for his team for a while. Like that's kind of where the the starting point is he's still got a long way to go to match what Quintana has done over the last few years for the White Sox, but he's such an unf- unheralded piece. Okay. Yeah, I was unfamiliar with Quintana's uh, origin story, um, but yeah, it was weird how JC was like a tried out as a starter, moved to bullpen. He's still pretty high velocity for a starter, even, even getting out of the bullpen, but uh, yeah, he's been i think pretty promising this year and and he can he can get like 95 96 miles per hour on the fastball so some actual pedigree there despite his uh, you know seemingly obscure origin in this year in this particular matchup 
I don't want to use a lot of rays against Ramirez, but I don't want to use Ramirez against the rays. Right, yeah, exactly. Um, if I were going to use any players against him, they'd be lefties for sure because his splits are, are pretty strong where uh, he's really kept righties quiet. 273 Woba so far this year against righties. Lefties are uh, posting a 335 weighted on base average against J.C. Ramirez. Four of the six home runs he's allowed have come to lefties, and the K rate comes down uh, a bit as well. So I think you know a Logan Morrison or a Corey Dickerson, just one one of the Rays lefties being slotted in against J.C. Ramirez is perfectly fine for today. Uh, yeah, I think Longoria at 3,000 at third base is going to be low-owned, and uh, Ramirez historically is, is more vulnerable to righties, although that's changed this year, so... Uh, yeah, that's the, I agree. Like Ramirez might give something up, but I, I don't want to stack against him. Yeah, I don't even really want to bother with any Rays. But th- th- I guess there's for that reason some tournament uh, consideration to be had. But uh, otherwise, just uh, to t- kind of tie things up in first base on my part, um, Canise Vargas at three thousand if he's in. Uh, he doesn't have as steady of a bat against righties, but he has more power against righties. And Ubaldo is obviously a big fat duck to take a shot at. I'm always wrong about Ubaldo, too. He's like the other Miguel Gonzalez, but uh, even worse in yeah, terms of the downside. It's infuriating, but I, I think he actually is just like bad this time. Seems I'm, like I'm it. I'm jinxing the Twins hard. Let's look at second base. So the old uh, play or fade Ian Happ call is uh, the main question. 3300 is the price. We looked at the splits. Uh, last year at AA, he was better hitting righties than lefties. Happ switch hits. Uh, but at AAA this year, it was the opposite. He was crushing lefties even more than he was crushing righties. It's hard to really get much of a read on it. The bottom line is Ty Block's not the kind of guy you expect to go real deep into that start against the Cubs anyway. So it could be some bullpen arms, some middle relievers. Uh, 3,300 for where Hap's been hitting in the lineup certainly makes a lot of sense at second base. So, let's, I mean, do you want to use him or are you going to fade him for the likes of uh, Brandon Drury or uh, Jason Kipnis or somebody else out there? Uh, well, they're all in play for me, so I'll I'll have some Ian Happ certainly at thirty three hundred. He's a great deal, uh, regardless of how his uh, specific you know power uh, splits might play out against lefties and righties over the upcoming years. But yeah, thirty three hundred. He's probably going to be hitting what like fourth or fifth or third. So he's he's really good. Doesn't really matter what he's going against, and he's going against a pretty you know mediocre or bad pitcher. So uh, definitely like Happ quite a bit. Probably going to try to get a, like one lineup with Dozier even at 3,800 if I'm going all in on a Jimenez targeting. Um, I think there's a case for Starlin Castro. I probably won't have any, but 3,800 in a tournament, he's not going to be very highly owned, but he's got a really good bat this year. Uh, if you think Vargas was smoking mirrors all this time, going to New York won't help him. Um, but obviously, Kipnis at 3,400, particularly if he's leading off still, got to like him against Feldman in that stadium. He's got plenty of home run potential uh if i'm trying to save money at the position i'm definitely going straight to drury at 2700 he's going against a righty in gonzalez and as we were saying before we generally don't even like targeting gonzalez that much but between the price at 2700 and uh drury's reliable uh, home splits he's he's just been awesome his whole career and even against righties in any particular context he's he's better than people would guess he uh He's not much of like a home run potential kind of guy, but I, I can see him hitting like two doubles and two RBI in a game like this. Yeah, it's a, it's a good spot for Drury. And, and compared to Lamb and, and Goldschmidt, if you don't want to stack D-backs, I mean, Drury's cheap. Yeah, so. he's a great like just value band-aid to fill out the rest of your roster if you want to pay up at like third, first, and outfield. Keep in mind, he is hitting uh, sixth in the order. At least that's where he's been for the last, uh, looks like, 
10 plus starts that he's made so he's not in that two hole like he was uh, very early in spring training that really hasn't been the case though all season if you haven't been using Brandon Drury he's been middle third of the order instead of uh, top third uh, so he makes sense and the other player that I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by right now and it's not normally a player I target outside of his home park is DJ LeMayhew he's 2900 going up against Eikhoff it's not a, a death sentence sort of matchup for him uh, great series from LeMayhew over the weekend too away from Coors uh, two 30-point games, including one on Sunday in which he homered. So DJ LeMayhew, based on where he hits in the Colorado lineup, just 2,900, probably going to be fairly fairly owned. I mean, like he's, he's one of those players that I think everyone's kind of split on. There's like this small community of people that, that really think that LeMayhew is an underrated real and fantasy player, and everybody else kind of looks at him and just says, no, he's the same old guy he's always been. I can't trust them. There's not enough power. They have a... They have a kind of a, a love-hate sort of balance, the two sides. As I far don't know as why it's not easy to just be in the middle there where it's like... Yeah, he's okay. Criticizing him for not having power is like not even criticizing the case for him. Like no one's saying like, ah, he's he's got power now. Like no one ever said that. It's like he's high average in a, in a lineup that tends to score quite a bit. He'll steal bases. Um, and his average has played out both home and road the last couple of years, right? Like it was before that that he was only a home player but uh I, I still don't really like him today just because yeah like eikhoff is pretty tough against righties he uh like the fip against lefties for eikhoff in his career is 505 against righties it's 294 um doesn't doesn't give i mean he gives up some power to to righties but he strikes out a lot doesn't walk many at all uh there's still of course the case to make for LeMahieu because his skills have played out on the road and if, if you do think he's just a good player then a guy like Eikhoff isn't good enough to just smother him necessarily but uh I kind of I prefer Drury in a vacuum so I, I probably won't be paying 200 more for uh, LeMahieu myself yeah it makes sense to go after Drury for the reasons oh, he mentioned geez, Baez. I didn't even see Baez there 2800 yeah, another uh, another part of a stack or one off, and with Hap being thirty three hundred, I imagine the be- the Baez ownership rate gets driven down quite a bit. Yeah, Whew. yeah. For some reason, I, I thought he was at shortstop. Anyway, um, yeah, I like Baez a lot at twenty eight hundred against a lefty. Moving over to third base, you know, Bryant at the top, great. Lamb forty three hundred, cool. If you can do it, why not? Uh, Sano has a nice spot against Ubaldo. All all those top end options are in play as they always are. If you're going to go away from those guys, I mean, Mike Moustakis at 3,700, he's not discounted as much as I'd like him to be. Right. But I do like the idea of Kansas City lefties going into Yankee Stadium, getting that giant park boost, and going up against a guy in Pineda who can pitch well but still give up a couple of bombs in the process. Yeah, definitely. Pineda, I mean, he, that's how he's been all year. Is like he, he has good games in, in uh, you know the big picture. Still gives up two homers, you know, so... Uh, you can you can have Mustakas have a homer, Salvador Perez, Hosmer, whoever, um, and Pineda can still end up with the uh, you know six and a half innings, three earned, and and eight Ks. So uh, I probably won't be going at the Royals so much just because I don't I, don't, I just don't really feel like trying to guess which one of them might do it. I, I think it would be pretty shocking if Brandon Moss hit three homers in three days or two days. So I'm pretty sure it won't be him. Uh, but yeah, any one of those guys, uh, Perez, Hosmer, Mustakas, I think are pretty, pretty rational picks. Even if you, you're high on Pineda, it just seems like a day to pay up though at third base uh, because of the elite options and the matchups those guys have. Uh, looking at shortstop, 
Yeah, Correa is the most expensive option, but he's got Michael Fulmer, so I'm not crazy about it. Upside would be low ownership, but downside is really tough matchup. Uh, Francisco Lindor, though, down at 3,600, kind of falling back into a more affordable range. Would you consider that Zach Cozart's dinged up with that wrist injury? You know, Trevor Story uh, might not be back from his shoulder injury uh, just yet. He's supposed to be back during the series. We don't know if he'll be back on Monday. Uh, so you look at Lindor as kind of like the clear cut expensive option that makes a lot of sense so it's kind of like Lindor or someone else in the field where do you go it's going to be tough to stay away from Lindor even though he's going to be very chalky but if we do go away from him I mean it's Addison Russell right I thought you were going to say Pat Valeka but yeah Uh, (laughs) Valeka against Eikhoff is cheap but 2,500 I mean he'd be hitting really high I'm pretty skeptical of Valeka although he's been quite good lately obviously I think Owings and Addison Russell at 3,200 are both pretty high on my list of, of options if you're not going to pay the 3600 to get Lindor but all three look really nice yeah and then uh, beyond that though it's just the wasteland I, mean, I guess maybe in a, a twin stack you could justify Jorge Polanco but I'm not like I'm not excited about it everybody kind of writes off Didi Gregorius he's got some surprisingly good splits against lefties going back to the start of last season Hmm. Um, 3000 is the price I imagine you get him at low ownership I don't think I'm doing it but it's it's one of those things that caught my eye when I was looking through the numbers this morning Uh, looking at the outfield you know Aaron Judge at 4500 against uh, Jason Vargas could be one of the more chalky plays JD Martinez against the Houston bullpen at 4400 is also in play. I mentioned if you're going to run a lefty out there uh, against J.C. Ramirez, that's probably the way to go. Corey Dickerson quietly up to 4100 price-wise. He's been mashing, so it's it's deserved. He's having a great year. Uh, but you know, he's, he's one of the short-list guys I would at least think about if I were going to use a raise hitter today against J.C. Ramirez. Price is probably something that's going to steer me away, but I like the matchup from Dickerson's perspective. Yeah, at that price, I, even as hot as he's been, I can't imagine he'll be very highly owned, but uh, can't really argue against it. He's been very good, as you said. Uh, really like Judge. Martinez, I don't like the matchup for, but he's just been so nuts lately. It's like he might just be matchup-proof if he stays as hot as he's been. Uh obvious obvious picks like uh brantley against feldman is a, f- a fine play at uh cincinnati um otherwise i i'm always high on duvall doesn't always work out for me but you today duvall. T- today duvall at 3600 when you uh when you crush a tournament at some point adam duvall jersey is that going to be the first the first baseball jersey you, you put an order in for uh i guess so i mean in that case i would i would have like some cosmic karma to have to give observance of uh but you know still hoping my first uh baseball jersey is a uh, yasiel brewers but uh we got we got to wait on that one a little longer fingers crossed for those uh watching this podcast <laughs> at home i'm looking at the camera on top of the computer and even though there's no light to indicate that it's turned on i'm pretty sure it's on and this is being broadcast some in some corner of the world uh bradley zimmer kind of a free square at 2500 tonight if you don't have too many other indians already in downside he's probably hitting eighth in the order for cleveland but yeah. it's a good spot so it's, it's a park that uh, increases home runs uh if you're looking for the other cheap pivot in the outfield if albert elmora draws the start and he gets a good number of starts against lefties i like him as a, a cheap pivot 2200 i think he's a better hitter that people give him credit for 
Great matchup against Ty Block, and again, it opens up salary for an expensive pitcher or for some uh, help at the corners if you're going to pay up for a Lamb or a Goldschmidt or something along those lines. Uh, Cargo's starting to warm up. I know you're a little higher on Eikhoff than I am, but at 2,900, I think Cargo is in the mix. Uh, we both like David Peralta and Max Kepler, $3,100 against Miguel Gonzalez and Ubaldo Jimenez, respectively. Yeah, and uh, going back a little bit, I think if he's in the lineup, uh, even no matter where he is, really, if he's in the lineup, Aaron Hicks is a good tournament play for me at 3,200, especially if he's a... Uh, he's been a little quiet lately because I haven't given him much playing time. And the last time I saw him, he was at eight. I think he was batting. Um, but he t- historically has crushed lefties. Uh, he's just kind of pretty good speed power combo in general when he's healthy. And I, I don't know if last year there was something wrong with him, but a different player this year. And if you, if you think the Yankees are going to rough up Vargas two times in a row, uh, Hicks might be someone who does it without much, as much exposure as, you know, the judge Matt holiday types holiday. I also like, um but yeah otherwise uh let's see uh scott shebler at 3000 against tomlin um shebler's mashing yeah he's good man he's he's good i'm sold on him as well so i might maybe a shebler duvall combo for me perhaps the reds don't really get a lot of credit for moves they make when they go right they just kind of get laughed at when something doesn't look good on paper but they they've looked good in kind of quietly getting shebler as part of that deal they made uh, with the White Sox and Dodgers. Todd Frazier, you know, went to the White Sox as part of that deal. Trace Thompson went to the Dodgers for a while. People thought, oh, the Dodgers crushed this trade because Trace Thompson's going to be great in L.A. and uh, Frazier's a monster for the White Sox. Frazier's slumping, Shebler's mashing, and Trey Thompson's got some back trouble. I know there were other players involved in the trade too. Peraza uh, went to the Reds in that deal also. Uh, but yeah, it's it's weird how the Reds kind of get that only negative attention for moves right. they make. Yeah, Shebler's only been good in the majors and in the minors. He was crazy good. So I, I thought it was not that surprising that he's been as good as he has been. But I, I kind of, it was one of those things where everyone seemed to overlook him. And it was like, well, I guess I just missed something. But uh, he's he's good at 3,000. I'm definitely going to get like a share or two. Uh, also, Zobrist at 3,000. I see he's in the outfield now. Uh, if I remember right, he hits lefties with a little more power than he does righties. Uh, I'm going to look that up just to be sure but either way it's at 3000 uh he's he's very good against both uh handedness so uh doesn't really matter either way and um yeah were there any like really cheap ones that you saw no i mean really just the elmora zimmer combo the two that i was thinking about and it, it, you have to see if elmora's even in there he's not you're not uh to play. you're not feeling mad adams against garrett cole Adams is in the outfield. I would assume he was still twenty four hundred. Yeah, um, I'm I'm not, I don't, I don't like him against Cole. No. no, even 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 though it's a cheap price and the lineup spot will be favorable, I'll I'll wait it out a little longer on Matt Adams. What do you think about? I, I'm assuming one of the I'm assuming the leadoff for uh, uh, Arizona today is going to be either Greg or Blanco or uh, Raymond uh, Fuentes. Fuentes, they're t- twenty two hundred on Fuentes. He's got nothing going on in the majors so far, but I looked at his uh, minors numbers. And he gets on base a lot, and he steals a lot of bases. He's all speed. It's a team that runs a lot. I mean, I, I could see it as a like a GPP cheap pivot, but there's not a lot of home run power in that. Bat. Oh no, He's no, not a at tiny, all. tiny like a five, like a five ten one sixty type. I, I was not, a, I was not hoping for a homer from that guy, but uh, yeah, twenty two hundred. If, if Miguel has a meltdown, maybe Fuentes gets to the plate a couple times. I was actually twenty two hundred on Adams, but I still won't be picking him. Nah, I can't use them against Cole, but uh, keep an eye on that price tag as the matchups get a little easier 
in the coming days with Matt Adams uh, getting a spot near the heart of the Atlanta offense with Freddie Freeman on the shelf. It's going to wrap things up for this episode of the Rotowire DFS podcast. If you like this pod, please take a few moments to leave us a nice rating and review. Thanks to those of you who have already done it. Joe and Todd are back with you for Tuesday. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.